Welcome to the Sparked Podcast, a place to keep your spark bright. Here I've brought together my most powerful tips from the last decade plus partnering with small businesses on all things leadership, mindset, people and culture. Here my approach combines intuitive psychology, strategy, neuroscience and results-based coaching to unlock your highest potential. Step into your power and truly own your role as a leader so that you can spread the positive impacts of your purpose-led work everywhere. My name is Emma Campbell. I'm a mindset and performance coach for purpose-led leaders. I'm a mama to two cheeky little munchkins. I'm a wine appreciator, nature-obsessed, stubbornly optimistic child at heart, and I'm here to inspire belief in what's possible for you because it is all so possible. I hope that this podcast leaves you feeling lighter, more inspired, and more ready than ever to go out there and take actions on your big dreams and vision. I can't wait to dig in. See you in the podcast. Oh my gosh, welcome to the Sparked Podcast. I'm so happy to welcome my beautiful friend and guest, Kat, who is a human design expert. And I have just got all the questions for her. So much curiosity because I feel like her work just aligns so much to what I believe in and what I feel like is just so important in the world. And, you know, that's really connecting the work that you do to your purpose and to your energy and to your passion and what truly lights you up and, and works with you rather than against you. So, um, oh my gosh, welcome to the Sparked Podcast, Kat. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Emma. I am amazing, having a wonderful day and very honoured to be having a conversation with you. Oh my gosh, so cool. So let's just kick off with a super quick recap for anyone out there that hasn't heard of human design. Can you tell us what is it? Well, it's a little like a personality test, but on steroids. And it takes the time, date and location of your birth as the most kind of pure and authentic expression of your soul. So essentially it's a system that really meets at that intersection of science and spirituality. And it takes, um, you know, various Eastern observational systems that people might be familiar with, like astrology, the chakra system, um, the Kabbalah tree of life and the Chinese Yixing. And it really combines it with more kind of Western scientific principles kind of rooted in neuroscience, quantum physics and biochemistry. So it's a little bit, um, bit of a mashup, but a, a beautifully kind of multi-layered system that really shows you who you were born to be. Oh my gosh. It's so amazing. I've got a million questions for you. Um, the one that has always popped up into my mind when I've thought about human design is, so first of all, what a legend to the guy or the girl who brought <laughs> all of these different modalities together. Like what a genius and how that would have taken so much time. And I guess the question that pops up for me is like, how do they know that this works? Like, how do they know that this is true, that this is how our energy works and how the body works? Well, a lot of the um, 
the, I guess, the elements of the system that came through when the founder of human design um, really kind of was was kind of delivered the the combination of these different systems and and how they all fit together, and when he kind of channeled that information, a lot some some of the more scientific um, side of things, particularly around quantum physics, wasn't yet actually proven, um, and then it w- was went on to be proven in terms of the way that energy works, um, the mm-hmm. way that we experience, um, you know, tiny kind of subatomic particles of energy called neutrinos and how we're influenced by neutrinos, which is kind of like the stardust in the stars. Um, But that energy and that energetic influence um, and together with, you know, quantum physics and also the the kind of mechanics of energy in our bodies was then kind of then proven um, from a scientific standpoint a little bit after the system was kind of created and born essentially. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I'm now even more intrigued. I feel like I'm going to have to like dive really deep into it as I'm sure was probably the journey for you when you first discovered human design. So let's, um, let's go there first. So I um, was just telling Kat before we jumped on that. I just received an email in my inbox from her, I think to her, to her email list, which talked about like a retreat that she was just on when someone asked her the question, like, what was the you know, the, the biggest moment of change in your life or what was the moment that changed everything for you? Um, tell us a little bit about where, how you came to this work and a little bit about your story and your journey. Absolutely. So I found human design back in 2019 and read heard about it on a podcast. <laughs> so seems to be a recurring theme. So there'll be many people listening, I'm sure, that are hearing about it maybe for the first time or maybe have just, you know, heard whisperings about human design. And I was like, well, that's kind of intriguing. That's really interesting. But I did a little bit of research and a bit of kind of digging, but I didn't take it too far. And then a few months later, towards the end of 2019, uh, people around me, my circle and on Instagram started talking about how they'd had a reading done. So I kind of had that um, insider or that kind of lead into, you know, who who I could trust to, to, to get a reading from and that kind of personal recommendation. So I went ahead, I had first reading done and had that very common experience that people talk about when they have a human design reading Um which is which is reasonably kind of mind blowing when all you are providing someone that you've never met in your life, um, time, date, and location of birth, essentially, and then got a, a full reading, a full report that described me to an absolute T, and even the things I have never really spoken to anyone else about because I didn't really realize it was something that might be unique to me or just that something that kind of really made me different. And I think, you know, we all know that we are different to the next person. We've got, you know, totally unique fingerprints and, and the whole uh, the whole thing. But human design really shows you just how different you are. And so I'd had that really amazing experience. And at the time I was still very much in my marketing career, specializing in kind of um, digital marketing, Facebook and Instagram advertising, which was, you know, what what my business was centered around. And the the reading really kind of reflected my strengths and what I brought to that business. So I was like, cool, this is all, all good. I'm on the right path. And we then move into 2020, which obviously was, was a year that'll go down in, you know, absolutely history with being you know such a tumultuous year the pandemic kind of took force and for many people it was a year that really changed things and it it did so for me um 
I started to to kind of get this kind of niggly feeling that I just wasn't happy with what I was doing and really started to um, assess what, what was kind of happening in my life, in my business. And I, at the same time, I started to kind of look around to learn more about human design. I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know if it was a course, a mentor. I was just kind of Googling and trying to f- figure out, do I want to learn how to read charts? Do I want to I, I, yeah, I just didn't know what I was looking for, but I was looking for something. And I found a, a certification and kind of a long story short, um, decided to jump into the deep end in, in ne- had never done any self-study around human design, never had, I didn't buy any of the books, literally just had my reading, but all of the signals kept pointing me back to human design. It kept popping up. Every time I thought about it, I was super excited. I felt like I'd found the right teacher for me. And I, you know, although the investment was, you know, not insignificant um, and probably a little bit more than what I was initially willing to kind of pay, I was like, it just all felt right. Like it felt like I was making the right decision for the yeah. first time yeah. in forever. Yeah. And, you know, jumping into that certification, it, it's the only thing that I've ever studied that I actually wanted to sit down and learn and learn more about and clear the decks, clear my schedule so that I could just focus on this work. Um, So yeah, it just felt completely aligned. And kind of two months after kind of starting my certification, I just couldn't, I couldn't operate in my business, in my Mm, marketing business anymore. I just, it felt it like everything had become so clear. My, um, you know, my real unhappiness in, in the work that I was doing, um, how much I had to kind of force myself to kind of show up and do that work. And Mm -hmm. I realized that I'd kind of long, long mistaken the feeling of doing a good job and doing good, being good at what you do for passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. They're not the same thing in any stretch of the imagination, but I, that feeling of, you know, being, you know, getting accolades and pats on the back for making money for clients. And even those things started to kind of lose their, you know, their, their kind of shine. And I was like, this isn't purpose. This isn't what I want to spend the rest of my life doing like this. And so it was, a, it was a huge wake up call. 2020 for me was um, a huge pivot, a huge wake up call. Um, but I feel so grateful that, and, and ironically, it was human design that kind of led me to human design, but um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a big wake up call and, and, then a, and a big change that I needed to make. Wow. That's so cool. That's so cool. And just like hearing you talk that out, you know, the, the feeling that people get when they get their human design reading done. So I, I've had my personal reading done with Kat and I've also recently had a business reading done and yeah, the, the business reading that came through, like there was a question that came up or like a question that came up for me was like, oh my God, is this what everyone's reports look like? Like, how can this be so specific to me? Like there was literally um, Mm. like pages and pages that talked about, Emma, your purpose in life is to help other people find their purpose and to help other people find their passion and that your, your greatest, I can't remember the technical term, but, um, Mm. or one of the lines or something like that was around, yeah. um, contribution and that contribution was was the greatest drive for me the greatest like pillar of energy I'm sure that you would know the the much more technical terms than that and there was just like so many pieces in there that I was just like 
what the hell? Like you could not have been more specific <laughs> about exactly what I get my joy from and what I love. Um, that, yes. that, that, yeah, that really blew my mind. Like, and I started mm. asking, like thinking to myself, does, can everyone's, is, does everyone say, <laughs> say this, but no, but that can't be right. Cause it wouldn't be the same thing. <laughs> exactly. So cool. And, and it kind so of, cool. you, you know, it seems so obvious, but then again, it also seems so surprising. It's like, oh, wow. And, and for many people, I think, um, very much affirming if they are, you know, doing the right work or doing what really lights them up and they've, you know, and for, and for some of us, it's this kind of dumb luck that we kind of fall into that. And then for others, it's a little bit more of a journey to kind of yeah. recognize, yeah, something's not right. I'm not happy doing this. Or um, I've, you know, many of us create, you know, start a business. So move out of corporate and move out of working for, for someone else. In And we, we create businesses based around the skills that we learned at college or university that we we kind of learnt in our corporate years and then we create this which is what I did and I created my own business around that which you know in in the first instance I thought gave me the freedom and flexibility to do business the way that I wanted to do business but actually it wasn't the right work for me anyway and I kind of just ended up doing the same thing but not having a boss so everything kind of landed on me and I ended up working you know working myself to the bone and having multiple bosses in the form of kind of kind of client relationships and things like that so I'd created this kind of second job that wasn't really aligned for me but it's because I translated those you know those immediate skills that I had which is so fine and for many people that's that's perfect but I'd I'd kind of it yeah it, it didn't kind of it wasn't that's, going to be the the forever work that I was going to do. It wasn't my passion work. That's so interesting. I wanted I want to dive more into that and get really specific and granular around mm-hmm. how did human design change things for you, like on the day to day level in your business. So I I know that obviously you had a big shift in the actual type of work that or or the focus of your work going from marketing to human design how else did it change how you go about your work day to day what what was different I think one of the major things that human design unlocked for me was um, really listening to my body and understanding what the different sensations and, and emotions and feelings really felt and understanding how my energy worked and the way that I was supposed to be um, interacting with other people, interacting with the world around me. So I'm a manifesting generator. I am built to first and foremost respond and then inform. And that means that I respond to things from my sacral my sacral is going to show me what's exciting whether I'm kind of lit up and expanded or whether I feel kind of contracted and a little bit kind of shut down that's how what where to put my energy and that could be you know in life it can and absolutely in business so Mm -hmm. for me as a manifesting generator um, following the joy and doing the things that I love gives me more energy now, when I was working my old business, I would, you know, I was just so tired. I was exhausted. I just did not get excited about anything really. Now in my business, I obviously have the freedom and flexibility to to kind of work on the projects that I want to work on, but also on a day-to-day basis, I'll, I'll kind of, unless there's, you know, a deadline that I need to 
you know, submit something for a particular time on that day, or unless I have a meeting scheduled, I will allow my energy to kind of tell me what I want to work on. So do I want to create content? Awesome. Well, there's my list of content ideas that I've previously kind of brain dumped as they've come to me and I'll kind of scan through the list. And what am I excited to talk about? Like what is, what's lighting me up right now and and here? So, um, so many of us are built to respond, but in business, doing a lot of initiating and we're not responding to things that are external to us. So for generators and manifesting generators, which make up 70% of the population, we are built to respond and we need to kind of almost lean back our life to happen. And then we respond and, and see where our energy is really being pulled and what is exciting to us. We've got a lot of energy. We've got a lot of capacity to make stuff happen, but we we need to be doing the things that light us up. That's the big kind of takeaway for me and allowing myself to, to kind of really um, go through a process of trial and error, allow myself to experiment in, in human design. I'm a three, five. So I am built to actually kind of figure out how stuff works by literally pulling it apart, putting it back together, um, falling over, getting back up again, trying stuff. And for many, many years, I, I think I blocked that, natural tendency to, to, I I stopped myself from trying stuff and I stopped myself from putting, like putting myself in situations where I was going to get an experience because I didn't want to get it wrong. And I was too worried about it needing to be perfect or it needing to look a certain way. Whereas, you know, I am just, you know, designed to kind of figure stuff out and figure out how to do it better through, through that actual process of trial and error. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So what I'm hearing in there is that by following your human design, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to shift careers altogether like you did, but it, yes. <laughs> it, it will likely mean shifting the way that you respond to things, shifting the way that you act, depending on depending on what your different profile is. I'm a generator, yes. um, which I think yes. um, is quite similar in terms of... Yes acting and or responding to things as well. And um, uh, one of the pieces that I found really mind-blowing in my reading was, I can't remember the specific numbers. It might be a 2-4, but don't quote me on that. But I remember the personalities behind them, which was um, like the hermit as well as the networker or something like that. And that in itself, though, that piece there just really hit the nail on the head for me because while I can be yeah. very extroverted and lo- love a good party um, and socializing mm. and all the things, when I'm at home, I am so quiet. And I'm I'm not just a, yes. a quiet, <laughs> just a quiet hangout in the house sort of person. Like when I need to go and meditate, I'm a hermit in a cave and I need it to be mm-hmm. dark and like zero stimulation whatsoever I've got my eye mask on I've got my earphones in the doors locked like I'm in my little hermit cave and that's how I energize and like that was exactly what the human design reading said and I was just like oh my god Mm. no one no one has summed that up for me before like that and it just felt like such a permission slip to be me rather Mm. than yeah rather than feeling like there was something a bit weird about me that I had these two sides to my personality that often society tells you you've got to be one or the other or um, 
I don't know, all those sort of expectations. It was, it was very, very freeing, very interesting. Yes. Yeah. And your human design chart can be full of that kind of tension between, you know, someone who's designed to have a really strong network around them and spend time with the network and cultivate and nurture a network and, and, you know, all the, all the good things in life will come from your network, but equally needing to be the hermit and, and mm. needing time to retreat and recuperate and regenerate your own energy yeah. um, and not be in the spotlight 24 seven. And that's, you know, so that kind of feels like how, how can that be the same, but it's just, it, there, there's a lot of, um, yeah, element in the chart that can kind of feel a bit like, oh, that's interesting because I need to be like this, but also I'm like this. And but again, like you said, it's permission to to be you and giving us language sometimes to describe things that, cool, that's a thing. All right, I can work with that now. Or I know that that's not, um, it's not a negative. It's not something that makes me unworthy. It's actually a strength of mine. And you know, you can play to your strengths and understand how you impact other people as well. So cool. So I want to ask a question about how we apply human design to groups or human design to teams Mm -hmm. slash small businesses because a lot of the incredible leaders that I work with, they are running sort of anywhere between like 10 to 40 person businesses and teams. They might have like a semi-established way of how they go about business and the systems and the processes and all of those sort of things. So tell me where, where should a leader or a business owner who's working with a team start in that case, like at the, both the individual level as well as the business level? Yeah. So we might start with the individual level and and what can be really helpful and effective for kind of team leaders and managers to know about their people. And then we can talk to the group dynamic because it's quite different. So obviously when we're talking about energetics, we, we impact the people that we are around. And when you understand even just the foundational elements, human design, so someone's energy type, And along with that comes their strategy and their authority. So strategy is how they're designed to interact and interact in a way where they are correctly using their energy. You correctly use your energy, you're going to have more of it. And when you're incorrectly using it, that's when you tend to kind of burn yourself out and get a bit, you know, a bit drained and a bit exhausted. So understanding someone's energy type, their strategy, and then their authority. Authority is how someone makes decisions. So in the workplace, we're all always making decisions. So from that perspective, understanding how the different people in the in the team are designed to, to make their decisions, whether it's in the moment as a gut-based reaction, which is not everybody, it's only 35% of the population, or do they need time? Do they need space? Um, are they someone who is going to need a lot of time and space to make a decision? Or for the business owner or the business leader, understanding how they are designed to make decisions, they can let their team know how best to to kind of get those kind of critical business, critical decisions made from them. So, you know, if, um, so if someone was coming to me and I'm the business owner, I'm a sacral authority. I'm, deci- I'm designed to make a decision in the moment and 
when I share that, Emma, we are both sacral authorities. So if we are the business owners and we have a team that is supporting us and the team needs us to make a decision, we need the team to bring us options. We need the to bring us, you know, opportunities for us to respond yes or no, yes or no. Not this kind of open-ended, what do we do here? It's more, these are the, these are the options and the solutions that we've come up with where 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 would you like us to kind of take this so we will then respond from our gut and know in the moment is it a yes or a no a yes or a no a yes or a no but the open-ended questions for sacral authorities like us can be really challenging especially in a business sense because we don't get a chance to kind of really use that gut response Mm -hmm. so understanding how the people in your team make decisions if they are decision makers um, understanding how best to recognize people in a meeting situation, for example, not everybody going to just willingly be like, you know, sharing their insights, sharing their, their thoughts and, um, or, or questions and kind of co- equally contributing to conversation. Some people we need to invite them to share what they see. So that might be a projector needs to wait for an invitation to share everything that they're kind of observing and seeing in the team or in the situation that's at hand. So knowing that you've got a projector in your team, you can actually invite them to share what they see in a meeting and make sure that they have the space and the time to kind of feel recognized and that their, their contribution is, is, you know, very much valued. So that, that kind of, um, I guess, approach and, and knowing just the members of your team at that energetic level will help you to, you know, recognize them, ask them the right questions um, and just kind of contribute to better kind of communication and team harmony. Um, one of the major things to really know about your team also whether they are what we call acral beings, so whether they are a generator or a manifesting generator, again, 70% of the population, so the most common or are they a non-sacral? Now, the sacral beings, the generators and the, the manifesting generators, we have life force energy on tap. We we have consistent access and stamina to work in a more traditional nine to five, Monday to Friday, more traditional kind of work environment. The non-sacrals are going to be called our manifestors, our projectors, or our reflectors. They do not have a defined sacral, which means they have inconsistent access to life force energy. They can borrow it from the people around them, but they don't have the lasting stamina to be sitting at a desk, pumping out work from eight until six, five days a week. So, so knowing that you, you, yeah. So knowing that you, you have people who don't have that same energetic capacity, it doesn't mean that you're, you're going to not hire anyone who doesn't have a defined <laughs> sacral because you need to kind of flog everyone. It's not what we're talking about, but it just, it really explains why some people, um, bring a little bit more energy to work than others and why some people may struggle to kind of keep up and and may face things like burnout or adrenal fatigue if they're trying to with the pace of some of the other people in in the team as that's that's really kind of important to understand at a at an individual level and then you can get to the level of you know the the environment that someone's going to kind of thrive in and there's kind of six different environment styles as well that that you can um, kind of do things in the workplace to really support people in that respect. 
But when we're talking about workplaces, we're talking also about kind of teams and a group dynamic. So what happens, you know, in human design and your own energetics, you learn your own chart, how your energy works, what you have consistent access to, what's inconsistent for you, what your strengths are, what your talents are, what your gifts are. And then when you're with someone else, so for example, like this, um, I'm with you, Emma, we're, we're together virtually, obviously. Now there is a... Um, a dynamic that's going to be created by that, which is, you know, what we can, um, it's it's called a composite chart or a connection chart, and we can see how we're imping each other's energy. And then once you get to three to five people, that is called a different dynamic again, which is called the penta. So in most businesses, um, you're going to kind of have subgroups within departments, within teams that kind of fall into that three to five people. And typically, um, when someone is in the penta, so three to five, the group of three to five people, um, it treats everybody who's in that group as it, it conditions everybody who's in that group to work as a generator, which is really interesting if you've got people who are not generators and manifesting generators in oh, those, yeah. those groups, which is why, you know, a lot of projectors or manifestors or reflectors, when they are in a group setting, they've got the end to kind of keep on going and keep up with the pack and keep up with the group. But when they're on their own, they might really need, you know, a really supportive kind of nighttime routine to really rest, to really recuperate, to do that they love to do, to kind of get back into their own energy because they've kind of picked up a lot of the group's energy throughout the day. The other interesting thing about, I guess, the, the the business Penta is that it really focuses on only 12 specific gifts and strengths, which are the gates, um, the gates within the human design chart, but there's only 12 that are really considered kind of relevant in a, in a group setting. And what can happen is if you, in your own human design chart, if you've got gates, though one of those 12 or any of those 12 specific gates defined, you're probably going to feel more comfortable in that group dynamic than someone who has gates defined that don't fall within those 12 gates, if that makes sense. So if your gifts are recognized by the group in a business sense and they're bringing something to the group, you're going to feel recognized. You're going to feel like you have something to contribute. You're going to feel kind of valued in that group setting but not everybody has those gates to contribute to a group setting. So they may feel like they've got all these gifts and skills and talents, but none of it's really kind of recognized or valued by the group um, in, in, in the traditional kind of penta sense. So they may be someone who is better set, suited to being a manager or someone who kind of sits outside the group being, being more of an alpha, more of a manager figure, someone who's kind of guiding the group as opposed to being in the group doing the work. Wow. It's quite a big thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's quite so a thing. That is so interesting. Yeah. And I can just see that you are such a wealth of knowledge around this. So can teams get a team reading done or how does that work? Yeah. So what what we can do is um we we kind of map everybody's chart so we enter everybody's kind of details and then kind of map it to a penta chart and that will show us um, according to these kind of 12 gates what is 
who's bringing what to the team and also what gates are missing. Now, typically the gates and those skills that are missing from the, that, that group of 12 is going to either need to be brought by the business owner or the CEO or in very much a leadership position. So for example, um, if someone, you know, if a team is missing the vision piece, well, that's naturally going to be filled by the person who is the CEO or the founder of the business, um, or they might be missing, you know, one of the other elements. Now, if, if an element is missing, it doesn't mean the team's not going to function and the business is going to kind of fall over. It and and we certainly don't only kind of recruit and hire based on someone's ability to complete, you know, a penta and and complete the missing gates. But it can be really interesting to know how much of a certain skill you've got, how much certain people's skills are aligned to the job function that they that they have and also where they may have skills and talents highlighted in their human design chart that are not within their current remit that can be identified for for future development as well amazing amazing okay so cool so um businesses should get in touch with you and I'll drop I'll drop your <laughs> your links in your details um if they want yeah, to explore yeah. that further um yes, definitely oh my gosh there's just so much to learn there and it sounds like it could just be so beneficial for teams who might well I guess that I'll ask this as a question instead is like what are some mm-hmm. of the signs or the symptoms that businesses or teams might be experiencing that would prompt them to know that perhaps they should be looking into this? Like what might they be noticing that would be a sign that perhaps human design could help them? Yeah. And it's going to to kind of come back to things that are, you know, constantly in the media at the moment. So burnout, um, the quiet quitting, that those those kind of trends where people are, are clearly disengaged or they are kind of just showing up and doing the bare minimum for um each of the kind of energy types as well we we each have what we call a signature and a non-self theme and the non-self theme is going to be that signal that something's not right so for a generator it's going to be a feeling of frustration so if you can recognize in you know when when people are getting frustrated then that's going to help the, the generators. Manifestors are going to feel angry. So again, if if manifestors are not feeling supported in the work that they're doing, if you know if the ideas that they have and they're bringing to the team are shut down and like that's not going to work, then they're going to get really really angry. So it might be you know expressions of anger, and it might not overt in the workplace because you know a lot of people will kind of learn to kind of stifle a lot of this stuff and just kind of grin and bear it almost. But even allowing, you know, your team to kind of understand um, you know, the basics of their human design, they should be on the lookout for can then open the door to a conversation with you as the leader or the, you know, the manager in the business. Projectors are going to feel very bitter and that stems from a lack of recognition. So when projectors are not recognized for the, what they're bringing to the team, for the value that they buy, the wisdom that they share and the knowledge that they have, they're going to be very bitter, which in the workplace is also a very toxic kind of um, emotion to kind of be dealing with. Um, and then reflectors are going to feel a sense of disappointment. The reflectors are quite a rare type um, and they are, they're kind of only 1% of the population. So quite, quite different, but 
very much influenced by everything that's around them. So the environment that they are in, the people that they are with is really going to affect our reflectors and and their not self-theme is this sense of disappointment. So people being really aware of when they're when a situation is triggering them for ha- perhaps if it's anger, if it's frustration, if it's this bitterness that's coming up, uh, them allowing themselves to kind of recognize that, recognize the situation and then potentially kind of raise that with with you know someone who's um supporting them in a in a more kind of senior um way is going to really kind of help with just catching those things that start to lead to to burnout start to lead to dissatisfaction in the workplace start to lead to communication issues between team members um mm. and everyone communicates in different ways as well and that is linked to the different energy types too so um, some people are going to be a little bit more kind of bold and they might be a little bit repelling. So that's that, that's typically how manifestors are um, described. So if you have a manifestor in your team, it might be, you know, that they they are quite, um, quite you know, out there when it comes to their opinions, their ideas. They might just really want to be kind of taking the lead and you're like, oh, gosh, how do I kind of manage this in the context of the rest of the team? Really understanding, you know, foremost energy type the strategy so how someone's designed to interact with the people around them and and the mix of different energy types that you have is really going to be helpful in the first instance yeah so cool so cool thank you so much um so super interesting and would add so much value I just want to circle back um to something that has just popped up in my mind which I usually ask my guests Mm. at the start but which lucky you you get to be asked it at the end and it's just this (laughs) um this question of like what what you were like as a kid and what you what you love to do as a kid and how that connects to what you do now because you know I I have a belief that you know the things that we love to do as a as a kid before um you know the world told us who we should be that often there's so many signs during that time in our life that helps lead us to where we need to be in our most natural and authentic and radiant form. So I'm, yeah, I'm curious to hear. Mm. As a kid, I was very creative. I, um, yeah, I loved nothing more than, you know, picking flowers and pressing them or, you know, drawing and painting and, um, I remember art being, you know, one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite times of the day at school and just kind of locking myself away there. Um, so I've always been very creative in that kind of visual kind of traditional sense. And I, I kind of, the way that that kind of came out a little bit in my kind of earlier career in marketing was that I was kind of a completely self-taught graphic designer. And even to this day, I still do all my own graphics. I have always done all my own graphics and branding and it, it's, it's not the best. I will not, I never, never, um, try and compare myself to someone who is formally trained and I have a huge amount of appreciation for that artistry as well but um yeah I I always just loved and and still very much do love the visual creative arts and um yeah that was a fun question to reflect on because I was like oh I don't know what was I like as a kid (laughs) but I was quite I, I I was quite um 
I think introverted. Uh, now that I understand, obviously, my design, I kind of see where, um, you know, potentially there were things that I thought were not great, but they just kind of part of my design. Like I, I have what we call a completely open or undefined identity center. So for me, I have never had a really strong sense of who I am and my kind of purpose in life. And for the longest time I thought, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. Everybody around me is climbing the corporate ladder and they know exactly what job they're going to get next and what promotion they're going after. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just kind of having fun, enjoying the job. I, I didn't have this kind of burning ambition and drive. And I was like, what's wrong with me? But now I know that I'm kind of not designed to kind of have a five, 10, 15 year plan. And, you know, my sense of self and of identity kind of depends on who I'm with and the environment that I'm in. And it just means that I'm kind of fairly fluid and flexible when it comes to that identity piece. And I've kind of, I've, I've made peace with that as well. That's amazing. And how cool is that to know as well? Like, and I think that's such a beautiful message to end with for anyone out there who might be feeling the same thing is that, you know, some of, some of us are built in ways that that purpose piece will shift and evolve. Um, actually, for most people, it will shift yes. and evolve over time um, exactly. and that that's okay. And that actually sometimes that is yeah. a part of your purpose in this journey of life is to, to allow that undefined identity centre to take different forms and to absorb different energies and personas as as you go through life so so cool thank you so much for coming onto the spark podcast I have learned so much and had my mind blown um where where can where can we talk to you connect with you where do you hang out share all the things I'm most active on Instagram so I'd love to connect there um I'm sure that Emma will put my handle in the show notes, but it's cat, C-A-T dot Skriner, S-K-R-E-I-N-E-R on Instagram or catscriner.com is my website and you can find all of the ways to work with me there. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kat. Thank you for being on. Um, It's just been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yay. Jumping in here quickly to share that the Leadership Styles Quiz is now live. If you're not one of the hundreds of leaders, business owners or CEOs who have already discovered their unique leadership style, then you'll want to jump into the show notes now to jump on and do this. This quiz reveals your unique zone of brilliance as a leader, your blind spots, so those things holding you back, your personality, your gifts and your strengths, as well as how your childhood shaped the leader that you are today. It only takes three minutes and you can take the quiz in the show notes below. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed, I would just love it if you took one little minute to leave a quick review or even to share this potty with a friend who you think might benefit from its message. It's honestly hearing your feedback that keeps me going and helps me spread the word to get in the ears of other people just like you who are going through similar challenges and keen for a little bit of inspiration. Thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'll see you in the next podcast.